Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. When we want the answers, we'd best go to the source. You and I know that means seeking, reading, immersing ourselves in God's Word. Our guest today not only does that, but she writes books to help you and me do it as well. She's going to help us engage the culture around us. Welcome to Choose Life Radio, dear listener, and welcome to our guest, Janet Parshall. Nice to be with you, Jill. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, it's wonderful to have you, Janet. You have maintained a very strong ministry for your listeners across the world. What was God's call to you, Janet? When did you realize your gifts of communicating His love were so amazingly wonderful? Wow. Well, I have to tell you, I am one of those wonderful people who struggled for the longest period of time with the idea that you had to be qualified to be called. And then I realized as my walk continued with the Lord that God calls, not the qualified, but he qualifies the called. I was an at-home mom, married to my high school sweetheart, four precious babies born back to back. We literally lived in the house that Craig grew up in, and I was fully convinced that that was it. I was going to live the Father Knows Best, Ozzie and Harriet lifestyle for the rest of my life, and I couldn't have been happier. But I was also profoundly naive, Jill, because we had a local public school. It was literally a block and a half away. Craig and I had actually gone to that school as kids, so nothing could have been more familiar or, I thought, more safe until my oldest daughter came home one day and she said, Mama, they made us sit in a magic circle. Well, right away, my mama's antenna went right through the roof. And I said, oh, tell me some more about it. She said, well, we had to sit in a circle and pass around a red scarf. And when the red scarf got to us, we had to answer three questions. Do you bite your nails? Do you wet your bed? And if there was a divorce, which parent would you rather live with? Now, my daughter, thanks be to God, had enough of the beginnings of the stirrings of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in her life to understand that something was way out of whack. And I praise God that she felt comfortable in opening that up and sharing that with me. Well, Craig and I started to do our work, and we eventually found out that our local school had been chosen as an experimental site through the State Department of Education. Sounds like deja vu all over again, doesn't it? Only this was some years ago. And they were experimenting with finding out what kids were at risk by putting them in those magic circles and myriad of other tools that they were using as well. Well, long story short, Craig had concerns, obviously, as a First Amendment lawyer, because there was definitely a violation of privacy, and there was also going to be a trampling underfoot of their religious liberties. I had concerns as a mom because I thought, why are you planting in my child's heart and mind the fear that mommy and daddy are ever going to be divorced so that you'd have to make this unbelievably difficult and non-winning decision of which parent you'd want to live with? So long story short, Craig and I started talking about this to anybody who would listen, because it wasn't just our babies who were being threatened. It was anybody else's babies who felt that that preeminent task of raising your children, following the admonitions in Deuteronomy and in First Thessalonians and Proverbs, that we were to raise our child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to reign them in the way they should go. And when they're old, they weren't going to depart from it. Anybody else who adhered to those transcendent principles was also going to have a problem. So the long story short was I got asked to speak at Tupperware parties and midweek Bible studies, and then the local Christian radio station invited me to come on, quite literally, Jill. This was a 500-watt station in the middle of a farm field, and I came, and I was interviewed, and I answered some questions, and when I was done, the general manager came up to me, and he said, hey, how would you like to have your own talk show? Well, realizing that ignorance is absolutely bliss, the first thing that went through my mind was, 
okay, if I got the babies out the door at 8.30 and they're back home at 3, I could do this as long as it was before lunch or after lunch. So I said, sure. Again, having no idea that this was really God's classroom and that he was going to take the next two years at that 500-watt station and teach me that radio is about listening. It's not about talking. And for us as followers of Christ, it's about learning to apply the whole truth of the whole gospel to the whole world, that we can amen on Sunday what we're reading, but we're dear in the headline on Monday because we don't have a clue of what God said in his word and how that applies us to the world around us. Well, that was the beginning of my journey. And it really is an example of that wonderful passage in scripture that I love so much that says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. There was no training. There was no college education. My background was music. I thought I was going to sing opera and teach voice and piano. I never in a million years saw this on my radar screen. But this was a mama whose heart had been stirred that I suddenly realized the world into which I was sending my kids was at war with the very values I knew to be absolute transcendent and applied to all people in all times and all places, and most assuredly started with my own personal babies. Well, one thing led to another. I got connected with Concerned Women for America. I got asked to serve on the state board. Then I got invited to Washington, D.C. to spend time with Beverly LaHaye, serve on her board. One thing led to another, and eventually Craig and I were both called to Washington. And my entire journey has been just sitting in front of a microphone, whether it's at Focus on the Family, which I did a show for three years with them, or Family Research Council did a show with them, Concerned Women for America did a show with them. And I have to tell you, Jill, again, there is no graduate school anywhere that teaches you how to be a talk show host. It's simply a matter, literally, of putting into place what the Bible tells us. I talk about the things that I'm passionate about. I talk about, and it's the teacher in me, I guess, I'm desperate to try to tell people how they can take these absolutely priceless words in God's immutable word and apply them to your life and to the world around us. It's why I say so often in my radio program, you go through life with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. So if you ask me, am I a gifted communicator? I, all I know is I find myself in front of a microphone. Before I open my microphone every day, I always say, Lord, your words in my mouth, just like Jeremiah, oh God, your words in my mouth. And then I quote the verse, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's his airtime, it's his message, it's his word. I just have this position of saying to people, here's how A applies to B, and it all ties back to God. So if there's any gifting in that, it's just knowing who God is, the profound reality of his truth, and the hunger for other people to recognize that we live in a time and an age where God's people are lights, we're strangers, we're living epistles, we're a myriad of things to a world that grows darker by the moment, and boy, I got to tell you, Jill, I don't know who isn't excited about that. I, I know this isn't my home. This is not as good as it gets. The best is yet to come. But with the time that we have left in a world that's sinking into licentiousness and debauchery, we have an opportunity to say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. God loves you so much. He's made another way. Let me tell you about that other way. And that's really basically what I do. And Janet, you started with a story that was so real today to so many families. Their kids are going to school. They're going to public school because they can't afford private school, perhaps. Right. But they're right. going and knowing that the lessons being taught are secular lessons, are very demeaning sometimes to the Christian education that those kids have had in their own home. How does a set of parents go in and deal with it like you did? I'm going to talk to the mamas who are with us right now. There's just something inherent. God, I think, hardwires us as mamas 
to fight for our children. You know that old adage, I jump in front of a running train for you? It's true. I'd lay down my life for my children. That is the mystery of a mother's love for her child is something that really can't be contained or defined. And I think what happens, and this is why I'm so excited about what's happening across America. I'm in ground zero in the culture war in Washington, D.C., But I can tell you that definitively, there is no 501c3 group that's calling all the moms and dads in America saying, rise up and show up at school board meetings. Jill, this is happening spontaneously. It's happening organically. And I believe it's happening because this is how God hardwired parents to say, wait a minute, even if you don't know who Jesus is, there's something in your heart that says you're supposed to look well to the ways of your household. That's scripture. First Thessalonians, if you lead one of these astray, better than a millstone be hung around your neck. In other words, even if you don't know the word, his principles are all around us, right? He immerses us in his truth, whether it's through nature, whether it's through the aesthetic, whether it's through uh, the arts, he's constantly revealing himself to us because he's not willing that any should perish. And I'm thinking that these moms and dads, who, by the way, are Democrats, Republicans, no political party whatsoever. They're from all races. They're from all ages. They're from all different backgrounds. But the common thread that ties them together, quite literally from the East Coast to the West Coast, is their babies. And suddenly, because of COVID, and if there's any good we can extrapolate out of that nightmare, it's the idea that mom and dad had the best student-teacher-parent conference they've ever had in their life. Walking past that laptop on the dining room table, they stopped and went, whoa, whoa, wait, you're teaching my child what? That because of the color of their skin, they're either an oppressor or the oppressed? God's word doesn't say that. That's 180 degrees opposite the principles of what I know to be true. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling my child that even though God designed them and molded and shaped them to come into this world as a boy, you're telling them that in their own power, Genesis chapter 3, you shall be like God's. You can decide you are somebody else because you can raise a fist toward God and say, it's what I want, creator. It's not what you want. And even if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you do, these things are like 20-20 lenses. The clarity of this is unbelievable right now. But even the moms and dads who don't yet know Jesus are going, something is so off here. And that's why we're seeing this parents' rebellion. And I got to tell you, that has profound ramifications for the culture. It has profound ramifications for the world of politics. It has profound ramifications for public policy. And I thought it was fascinating. And I had a front row seat to this here in the Commonwealth of Virginia that we had a governor who absolutely said parents first. He really believes in the idea that moms and dads are the best department of health, education, and welfare. And I watched an entire political campaign shift to recognizing mom and dads as being preeminent, penumbral, and every other fancy word the Supreme Court has ever used to describe us, and it changed the outcome of the election. I don't think moms and dads are doing this for outcomes of elections at all. They're doing it because they're babies in the crosshair of propaganda and indoctrination, all the while naively thinking, as most of us do as moms and dads, that you were sending your child to school to get an education, not an indoctrination. And the evidence put before us vis-a-vis those desktops on the dining room table over COVID was, uh uh-oh, there's been an ideological shift and my child is being used as a pawn in a cultural game. And as in any war, we realize that there could be fatalities. And I'll go to the book of Colossians. All I keep thinking is our children have to be taught right so that they're not taken captive by vain and hollow philosophies predicated on this world rather than on the word of God. So our kids are in the middle of a cultural battlefield and the warriors of mom and dad are showing up. We'll have more with Janet Parshall right here on Choose Life Radio. Choose Life Radio believes that life is a sacred gift from God and should be treated as such from conception to natural death. 
Our purpose is to share in-depth conversations with persons who have a direct connection to the life issue. These conversations encourage, inspire, and shine the light of God's amazing grace on a lost and hurting world. Your gift today will help us continue to expand the reach of these life-affirming conversations. You can give generously online by visiting chooseliferadio.com. Just click the Donate button at the top of the page, or you can mail your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio 44735. That's Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio 44735. Your gift helps keep this life-affirming message on the radio. Now let's get back to the conversation. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. Boy, if you missed the first half of our program, you have to go back and get your speed shoes on because we're going to really amaze you with this interview with Janet Parshall. Janet and Craig have dedicated their lives to the sharing of God's gift of life and to life eternal. And her talent of sharing God clearly and make it so desirable is clear also in her books. So check out her books. There's some fantastic titles. If you wanted to share Christ with someone, I would wholly suggest that you look at Janet Parshall's books. So welcome back to Choose Life Radio here on this second half. We have so much more to talk about. How is it in D.C.? What's happening with what took place with the leak? And I'd love to know some thoughts that you have on that and as well what you are hearing in D.C. Well, thank you for the question, Jill, and thank you for your marvelous radio program so that we can really equip the saints and give them a sense of what's going on. If you ask me what the temperature is in Washington right now, I'd say it's boiling. I have never seen anything like this in my life. So let me just recap this for our friends in plain talk so they can understand. But let me also immediately say we are at one of the most exciting periods of history. I praise God that he's allowed us to live for such a time as this. When a person comes to the United States Supreme Court and they get this very prestigious position of being a clerk, which means they help write, they do research, they're sort of working right there at the elbow of the Supreme Court justice. It is such a prestigious position that on one of the first days of your job, you're called into a meeting and the justices tell you how important the job is. But they also tell you this, that everything that goes on is done in private, not secrecy, but it's done in private as they make the decisions, because unlike a legislative body, you don't lobby or vote for a Supreme Court justice, that they are called upon to take their legal acumen and to hand down a decision predicated on what the existing law says. And the clerks are told in their first day, and if you ever let anything out, it will be the end of your legal career. There is no clerk who has ever served at the court who doesn't understand how violative it is to leak information out from the court. Having said that, that's exactly what happened. We know that it's true because the Chief Justice has validated the Alito leak. Now, the leak was a draft written in February 10th of this year, and it was allegedly done by five of the justices. Remember, there are nine, but that's already a majority. Chief Justice Roberts validated this, and the brief was 70 pages long, and it's every single word has been read by my husband, 70 pages long. And it very clearly says several things that, of course, the mainstream media is grotesquely misrepresenting. What it says is this, basically, that abortion shouldn't be decided at the federal level. And there's a real plain reason for that. Anytime there's an issue of life and death, and abortion is most assuredly that, it should get as close to the people as possible to be able to vote because it is life and death. 
Abortion should never have been decided at the federal level at the United States Supreme Court. It should go back to the states where the people, through their voices being heard in the state legislature, can decide up or down or modify or mitigate what abortion should be or not be at all in their state. Number two, this decision was predicated on very shaky legal footing. When it got handed down in 73, legal scholars on both the right and the left said, "Uh uh-uh, this is not going to last long. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said to pull out a right to abortion out of the 14th Amendment, which deals with the right to privacy, is torturous and probably will not stand the test of time. So methinks the pro-abortion side does protest too much. They knew all along that it was on shaky legal footing and hence the caterwauling and the picketing outside the houses. More on that in a minute. So if this decision stands, and by the way, the most controversial decisions tend to be handed down at the end of the term. That's the end of June. Now, they handed down decisions, uh, the Dobbs decision, which is the decision that they're going to use coming out of the state of Mississippi that prohibits all abortions after 15 weeks, was not one of them. And my guess is that the court will make sure they don't hurry up and deliver the decision because that would be almost an acquiescing to the bullying that's taking place right now. But if the decision stands as it is now, and we don't know definitely where Justice Roberts is right now, he could side with the five or he could side with the four. So it will probably be, God willing, and I hope we're praying and absolutely without stopping right now, that these justices will be brave and strong and will not let political pressure bend them at all. Clarence Thomas just gave an interview last weekend and said, we will not be bullied. And I think he was speaking for the majority of the five when he said that. So it could be a 6-3 or a 5-4 decision taking it back to the states. Now, here's what it would do. It gives each and every state the right to decide, which means in California and New York, they're already gearing up to be the one-stop shop for abortion in this country. So they're throwing thousands, if not millions of dollars up and down both states to make sure they have open arms and they welcome people in. You've got Corporate America Wing and Citibank and Airbnb and Tesla and Starbucks and the list goes on are saying, hey, we're going to add paying for your abortion anywhere you want it in America. So for someone to say abortion would be outlawed is an outright flat lie. That is not the case. Now, you might not be able to get it in North Dakota. You might not be able to get an abortion in Mississippi or Texas, but that's okay. That's what the will of the people is in that particular state. Welcome to democracy. Governance for 50 years. We've labored under death on demand, and 63 million lives later, we have had enough. And by the way, on that point, here's another thing. If you're looking in the court of public opinion, Planned Parenthood and all the leftist legacy progressive media couldn't say fast enough, most people support abortion. That's absolutely not the case. 54% don't believe there should be any abortions after 15 weeks. That means the majority of Americans already support the Dobbs decision coming out of Mississippi. Fact number two, most Americans didn't realize that when Roe was handed down in 73, along with the companion decision, Doe v. Bolton, that it made it legal in this country to have an abortion from the moment of conception to the moment of birth. The average American goes, ooh, that's barbaric. By the way, that makes us like one of four or five countries in the entire world that has that kind of an aggressive plan. So Americans have had abortion up to here, and they're looking for a way to dial it back, dial it down. And they didn't realize in 73 that it was going to be the monstrous death knell that it became. Number three, the thing that we hear all the time is, oh, this is going to spread. I have actually heard pundits on national television say next they're going to go after interracial marriage and same-sex marriage. Interesting, instead of caterwauling, just read the 70 pages by Alito. He goes out of his way to say this doesn't impact any other issue but 
abortion. But when you think about it, Jill, the entire abortion industry was predicated on a lie. My husband deposed Molly Yard, who at the time was the head of the National Organization of Some Women, and she gave under oath testimony saying that a baby was nothing more than a glob of tissues, not unlike a hangnail. That's a lie. When you tell women who are expecting a child that she has nothing but a blob of tissues, you're lying. And you're lying because you're not pro-woman. You're lying because your coffers are going to be affected. You realize that they'll take master charge your visa. They'll happily charge you whatever gestational age you are predicated on the procedure that is required. To masquerade as being pro-woman is one of the worst lies of all. They use abuse and throw women out the back door while they take their credit card and make sure their coffers are lined. Part of the backlash, Jill, that we're seeing right now is the death knell of Planned Parenthood because they're beginning to recognize that money is not going to be coming as fast and as readily. And by the way, on that note, they also know they're like the dinosaurs. There are four pregnancy help centers to every one abortion mill in this country. You tell me where America's at on this particular issue. So that takes me to the protesting. It is illegal. 18 U.S. Code Section 1507 makes it absolutely illegal to protest outside of a judge's house. And it makes it illegal for a myriad of reasons, not just personal safety, but because these are not people to be lobbied. This is not like sending a letter to your state representative saying, I sure hope you vote for that farm bill. It's a matter of these people working under Lady Justice who's blindfolded and holds the scales of justice above her head. And the evidence tips the scales one way or another. Not public pressure, not the way the political winds are blowing. So to have these people show up at the doors of these justices and to be vile in their language, to disturb them, to put their safety at risk, I have to believe is nothing more and nothing less than a death rattle and a cry for desperation. And for us as believers in Christ, what a Sunday school lesson. A soft answer turneth away wrath. And we don't overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good. So we don't return fire. We pray for these people. They are perfect pictures of what the Bible talks about when you have scales on your eyes. They simply can't see. Until your heart has been regenerated, the scales don't fall off your eyes. So these are people who are not the enemy. They've been caught in the snare of the enemy, and they desperately need our heartbreaking prayers that they might come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't become pro-life because I studied it as a philosophy and said, yes, as I stroked my beard. Sounds like a good idea. I became pro-life because I fell in love with the one who made me fearfully and wonderfully, knit me together in my mother's womb. Before I was, he knew all of my days. He knows the numbers of hairs on my head. My name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The one who hung the stars knows me personally. I fell in love with God, and therefore I love his principles. And he makes it real easy for those of us who are in the bottom half of his graduating class. He says in the book of Deuteronomy, I've put before you today life and death. And then he gives us the answer to the test. He says, choose life. There's no ambiguity in God's word on where he stands on this subject. So we need to remember, particularly as the culture roars like a rabid beast in the jungle right now, that we are the only Bible that some people are going to read. And even when those death threats come in, as they have to that pregnancy help center, it was actually a family center. It was a, a, an outbranching of focus on the family. It was the Wisconsin Family Alliance. And last week I played a montage of the death threats that had been left on the voicemail of this organization. Jill, it was chilling. If you don't believe in spiritual warfare, then you're asleep. When you heard people saying, burn you, Jesus lover, I hope you rot in hell. And that just went, it was, you could smell the sulfur from hell coming up in the midst of these phone calls. Well, we don't return that fire. 
we pray for these people because they're lost. And that's exactly how the lost behave. So why is this issue important for us? You might go, I don't care about abortion. In fact, I read a poll today. It's kind of sad that people are more interested in the Johnny Depp trial than they are what's happening with the Supreme Court. Let that sink in for a minute. That tells you how absolutely post-truth we really are. But I think what we have to remember is that ultimately this is a spiritual war because God said one thing and the prince of this world says another. And these two mutually exclusive worldviews are fighting. And the enemy is roaring because I think he knows his days are numbered. And we have the possibility, if the court comes down, to reestablish, at least partially, 26 states, Jill, 26 states are ready to either dial down completely or eradicate altogether abortion on demand. What we're hearing is the roar of the enemy who realizes that his territory has just been lessened. We fight this one on our knees, but fight we must. I'm so appreciative of the articulation of this issue and the way you have touched our hearts, really. As our listener is with us, I know that you've listened to this and and heard the Bible verses and realized these come right out of her mouth. It's not like she has to look them up. And I would suggest that one of the things you do, one of your tools that you're going to use now that you've heard her speak, is the Bible. Get into the Word. Find out how much God loves you. Find out how much He wants you to share Jesus Christ with those who don't know Him. Because we are seeing things happen that no one would ever, ever have thought. I'm so grateful to have had you today. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for what you do. And I thank you, listener, for being with us today. It has been a roller coaster, wonderful, fun experience. And now we have the truth. Let's go out and give it. If you want to share what you just heard so articulately spoken by Janet Parshall, I suggest that you go back to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and share it with a friend. It's so important right now that we get these kinds of messages out. I'm loving it that you're here with me, listener, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week right here on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.